Welcome to this month's uh, podcast on the Harvard Caps Harris Poll. Uh, we have interviewed uh, 1,810 registered voters from October 29th to 31st. Uh, these are pretty eventful days, uh, given all that happened in terms of combination of economic and impeachment news out there. Uh, and we'll be reviewing uh, a number of topics, the president's approval, uh, attitudes towards impeachment, the Ukraine, Syria, and perhaps most importantly, attitudes towards free speech and social media. So I hope you'll uh, tune in and enjoy this month's poll. Uh, despite all the political turmoil in Washington, out there in the rest of the country, President Trump's job approval is this month, guess it, unchanged. He is at 46% approval, uh, the same percentage uh, that he got for the vote uh, just a few years ago when he won the election with 46%. So he continues to maintain a strong, almost unshakable base. But of course, 54% also continue to disapprove of the job that he's doing. When you take a look by segment, in terms of the job that, that the president is doing, he gets some very strong ratings on the economy, 57%, up three points, on stimulating jobs, 58%, up three points, on fighting terrorism with the, uh, with the death of the leader of ISIS, up five points to 57%, immigration stable at 47, foreign affairs up to 45, administering the government 44 these are pretty good job approval numbers, particularly the top three that tilt almost to 60%. These are very strong numbers uh, in this highly partisan environment, and they don't seem to be affected by the impeachment action that's going on in Washington. Right track, wrong track of the country, 39% right track, about where it's been, no significant change, maybe up a point or two because Throughout this poll, I think uh, people see the economy is a little better than they saw it a month or two ago. 54%, uh, however, say it's the wrong track. Is the U.S. economy on the right track? Well, 48% say it's on the right track. That's pretty much a surge over the last two months of five points. The wrong track went down from 46 to 41. So you see that people are, are who were expecting perhaps there would be a recession are now seeing economic resurgence. And this is reflected in the final question on the economy. 69% say that the economy is on the right uh, track and is strong, uh, and 31% see the economy as weak. And this is also reflected you know, in their, uh, uh, in their personal views when, if you go back in the polling, originally at the start of the Trump administration, only 27% thought that their economic life was improving. That's now up to 38%. And really, for one of the few times during the last two years, it's crossed the line of people who think they're going to be just off. And only 22% think that their personal economic conditions are going to be uh, declining. And this in the face of a new jobs number that just came out, 128,000 new jobs, despite uh, a GM strike that was going on during the during the period, again underscoring the strength of the economy. And I think you're seeing the recession talk that you saw a couple of months ago 
uh, fading. So you look forward six months. Do you think the economy will be as good as it is now, 37? Going to a recession, still 39. Improving, 25. That is 62% who see it improving uh, or same as it is now. 39% a highly partisanized question, even attitudes towards the economy don't seem to escape the partisanship of politics. GOP approval unchanged, basically 58 disapprove, 42% approve. Democrats, surprisingly, despite the how impeachment is, uh, is, is in fact seen as such a partisan issue, went up three points to 46, uh, disapproval still at 54. That puts approvals of the Democrats uh, at, at the same number as President Trump for the first time at 46% or the first time in a, uh, in a while. As we move to favorability of the different personalities in the country, one personality actually of those tested dominates in terms of having the single highest rating of favorability and having the best ratio of people who are favorable to unfavorable. And that person is former President Barack Obama. He safely occupies the, I'm the former president above the fray seat. Uh, unfortunately, Bill Clinton, who used to have that seat, is now at 46% uh, personal positive, 45% unfavorable. A highly polarizing view even far more polarizing than Bill Clinton had when I was working for him as president, kind of surprising. Joe Biden is actually still nationally reasonably well-liked at 48%. Bernie Sanders reasonably liked at 48%. Donald Trump, however, 41%, 54% unfavorable. Pelosi at 39%, 47% unfavorable. Warren, 39%, Mike Pence, 38%, Hillary Clinton, 37 Kamala Harris, 33, you know, and so on down the list, so that in reality, aside from former presidents above 50, every single other major political figure now is in fact underwater with a very small favorable rating. The only other person with more favorable than unfavorable voters is Mayor Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> At, uh, uh, at 31, 31% more favorable than unfavorable. Adam Schiff is down there at the bottom, William Barr. Everyone sees virtually everyone in a political and polarized light, uh, with the exception of Barack Obama. Most important issue, health care now is number one. That's up from immigration. I think a lot of the stories on immigration tended to recede a little bit. Terrorism is at 25, economy and jobs 25, climate change a significant issue at 21, guns 19, uh, the national debt or the federal deficit 19, corruption 15. So I think you see the top issues. I think uh, some of them favor the Democrats like health care. Some of them favor the Republicans like terrorism or national security. Uh, this is a pretty significant change in terms of health care being the number one issue again. The voters are frustrated that there have been problems with health care in terms of both coverage and rising costs, and that Washington has failed to address them. It was the number one reason that they brought the Democrats into Congress 
in the midterms. It wasn't for impeachment. It was for health care. Donald Trump's reelect uh, is at 39%. That's not a great number for somebody seeking reelection. You'd really prefer it in the mid-40s. Uh, he's got 46% who approve of his job, almost 60% who approve of his economic job, but only, as you'll see, 31% who like him personally. So the ratings on him are all over the place because the assessment of him is all over the place, depending upon whether you focus on the policies, the performance, or the personality, the three Ps, the three critical elements in assessing the president and how he's doing with the American public. Now, when it comes to issues, Democrats have to be careful. If they have a presidential candidate who stands for the Green New Deal on climate change, Medicare for all, free college tuition, opening our borders to many more immigrants, and raising taxes to pay for these programs. As popular as those statements seem, Medicare for all, free college, as popular as they seem, only 40% would prefer that policy agenda to a presidential candidate who stands for lower taxes and reduced government regulations, strengthening our military, strengthening our border to reduce illegal immigrants, standing up more to China and Iran, and seeking better trade deals for the U.S. 60% favor that, what I call issue sandwich, over emerging democratic issue sandwich, at least among the more left candidates. Uh, next time we'll test out how a more moderate democratic uh, proposition would test against the clearly emerging Trump Republican issue plate. Now, when you think of Donald Trump, do you like him personally? We've been running this question for a while. It's at 31%. It's generally hovered between 29 and 31%. 57% dislike him. 11% are unsure. Uh, I'm surprised that anyone's unsure after these couple of years. But uh, these are the, the, the starkest and most difficult numbers uh, for President Trump, that his uh, personality and style uh, generally disliked, while a lot of his successful policies maneuvering has been has been well liked, and that is the kind of the paradox of Trump uh, out there as a re-election candidate. So, let's look a little bit to 2020. Primarily, we'll look at the Democratic side and see what's going on with the nomination in our national poll. Joe Biden's getting 33% and continues his lead. This is not reflected in current polling in Iowa and New Hampshire, where Joe Biden is showing serious weaknesses at this time. Uh, if he can't get out of Iowa and New Hampshire with at least one win, that will, in my experience, throw his presidential campaign considerably for a loop and raise questions about his long-term viability even if he comes back in Nevada and South Carolina, which he would have to do uh, if these current polls hold up. Bernie Sanders has 18. He was not slowed at all by the heart attack that many people speculated would take him out of the race. If anything, it has re-energized him and he's back. Elizabeth Warren is not far behind with 15%. Kamala Harris uh, at 5. Mayor Pete at 4. Cory Booker at 3. 
Amy Klobuchar at three, Andrew Yang at two. Uh, you can see <clears throat> that the, the field has a narrow set of candidates, none of whom is breaking 40%. And are you committed to your choice of candidate, or is it possible you might change your mind? 60% say they might change their mind, which led us to do something a little bit unusual. Uh, we said, well, suppose Hillary Clinton, Michael Bloomberg, and John Kerry all decided to enter this race. Who would you support as candidate for president? And we looked at Democrats. What happens? Hillary Clinton gets 18%, virtually tied to Joe Biden at 19. Elizabeth Warren, slight decline to 13. Bernie Sanders, down to 12. John Kerry picking up eight. Michael Bloomberg, six. The entire race could change overnight if one or more of these candidates decides to get in. I think this is a relatively strong showing for Hillary. And then the issue would be, could Biden survive Hillary's entrance into the race? If Biden exited, she probably would be the significant frontrunner. If he stayed in, they probably would split uh, a, a divided moderate vote, although even she would come in here as essentially tied uh, for the front runner. Joe Biden is seen as the candidate who has the best chance of winning against Donald Trump. When we asked about Biden, Sanders, and Warren, Warren is seen as the least electable, even though her campaign has generally surged, particularly in early states. We asked the voters, of these candidates, who do you think is too far to the left to get elected? And who is just right and not too far? Well, Joe Biden, by 65% of Democratic voters, as seen, is just right. Compare this to Harris, Warren, or Sanders, where about 60% think that they're too left to get elected. So the Democratic electorate is sensitive to whether or not they can put up a candidate who can win, and they have real concerns about that with the, for these candidates, with the exception of Joe Biden. Now, We've asked this question two or three times now. It is, I think, the most significant question. It shows how frustrated the American electorate truly is with the political system and how it's operating. The question is personally, do you want to vote for a presidential candidate who is more to the right, more to the center, or more to the left? 26% want a candidate more to the right. 13% want a candidate more to the left. 61% want a candidate more to the center. This is a centrist election stuck in a political system that has handed increased power to those on the left and those on the right. And this is at the heart of the political frustration that the voters have with the country as they frantically and systematically look for an alternative to the gridlock that has faced Washington for so many years. A major topic in the news, of course, is the Ukraine. I don't know if you were planning your summer vacation there, but, uh, but it has become uh, a country that I think most Americans couldn't identify on a map to one that could be playing a central role in the upcoming presidential election. We have asked for quite some time do you think for his actions, President Trump should be impeached and removed from office, censured by Congress, or that no action should be taken? 
45% say impeachment and removed from office. 15% censured by Congress. 40% no action should be taken. That 45% is an increase of about five points. This number has been hovering in about 40%. It went up to 45, I think, in last month's poll. And when we ask it before we tell people about any of the things that are going on, uh, that's where it comes out. So that tells you the size of each base, and it tells you the swing voters would really want to see this resolved with a censure by Congress. Massive numbers, 74% have been paying close attention to what's been going on with the Ukraine story. No doubt cable viewership rates are up. Now, I think this question and the one that follows, probably the most concerning questions for the president. Do you think that President Trump asking the president of Ukraine Ukraine, to investigate whether the Bidens were involved in corruption in the Ukraine is treason, bribery, or other misdemeanor, the standard for impeachment, or does this not reach that standard? 54% said the conduct could reach that standard. 46% said no. Then we pushed it and added asking the president to investigate the Bidens and then temporarily withholding foreign aid until they accepted to do so. 56% said that conduct fits the impeachment standard. This is probably the most worrisome question for Trump because a majority, when given a kind of plain vanilla description of what happened or could have happened, uh, a majority says this could be impeachable. And he released the transcript, and we asked them, did that transcript that didn't show him tying aid to the request to investigate the Bidens, did that end it? 34% said it has significance but did not end it. Only 33% said it ended it, and 34% said it carried little or no weight. So the transcript alone did not clear up the matter as perhaps the president was hoping. But, important, asking the Ukraine to merely open an investigation into the Bidens, given that Hunter Biden and his partners received hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees without any energy experience, is a fair request, 48. Asking the Ukraine to investigate the Bidens is tantamount to asking a foreign country to intervene in the election, 52. This is a close question. This is a battleground question here. Will the president be able to argue that it was a fair request or was it foreign intervention in America's campaign? Uh, do you think that the inquiry itself is a fair and legitimate one? Yes, 57. 43% see it as a partisan effort. Based on what you know, should Congress vote to impeach President Trump for his actions, vote to censure him, or take no action. Interestingly, when we focus it on what they know about Ukraine today, impeachment was at 43, censure at 19, no action 38. Less support for impeachment here in this question, more support for a censure. Do you think Democrats are running a fair or unfair investigation of Trump in the Ukraine? 54, 46, fair, unfair. Do you think congressional hearings on the Ukraine matter should be public or not public? Overwhelmingly and unsurprisingly, the public says 
Sure, they should be public. 81 to 19. Do you think the Democrats are unfairly leaking selected parts of closed-door testimony? Hmm, 50% say that. 50% say they're not leaking. Should the president's lawyers be allowed to question witnesses and receive all evidence? Yes, 79. There's a clear sense within the public that that this process needs to be fair, and you see overwhelming numbers supporting that, very unusual in the otherwise partisan split on these questions. Should the president cooperate with the investigation? 52. Should he cooperate only when provided with legal rights? 48. Close question. Should the full House have to vote on an impeachment probe? 74. And which is closer to your view? The power of impeachment is given to the House and only a full House vote can invoke that power? 69. 31, any congressional committee can embark on an impeachment inquiry without the House voting as long as it has the support of the Speaker. So they had been doing that. They didn't have any votes at all. They didn't have a formal vote for an impeachment inquiry in the traditional sense. Uh, they, they have broadened the investigation in some sense with the vote, ratified it, but the vote was a purely partisan vote with, in fact, two Democrats voting against it and all the Republicans uh, holding together. Nevertheless, you can see why Pelosi had to move some kind of resolution to show that she had underlying voting strength uh, for this thing, and to and what she did was to ratify a lot of the things that have been going on with the Intelligence Committee and Adam Schiff. Which brings us to the question, can Adam Schiff run a fair impeachment process, or is he too biased to run a fair process? 51, fair, 49, too biased, Again, uh, asking that question to a polarized election electorate gets you a polarized result. Those people who want the outcome to be impeachment think that he's just fair, and those on the other side think he's not. Now, we did something in this poll that I used to do when I was managing the impeachment fight with President Clinton. We polled on a regular basis, and we polled for the arguments pro and con. And I don't think you'll see this in a lot of polls because they don't go into the depth about these topics. So we took a number of reasons and said, tell me, for each of these reasons, is it very convincing, somewhat convincing, somewhat unconvincing, or very unconvincing reason to impeach Trump? If you look at it, the number one reason to impeach him is that officials in the CIA and the State Department raised alarms of a shadow diplomacy operation run by Giuliani as well as the firing of a U.S. ambassador to Ukraine in order to push forward the Biden investigations. So they see this, this, what's happened at the State Department with Rudy Gianni as probably the most serious matter here. 62% thought it was convincing or somewhat convincing. Very close was that, uh, that, that simply that the president did ask a favor of the Ukraine president to look into the actions of the of the Hillary campaign and the DNC server. They don't think those things were very smart. Again, 60% see it as somewhat as somewhat or convincing. A quid pro quo that we've heard talked about, again, similar numbers. Um, and then that just that he looked into the, the, the Biden's similar numbers, and the Trump was never elected fairly somewhat lower number. So the general argument about Trump doesn't work as strongly as the specific argument about what was the president doing 
with Giuliani and the State Department and the CIA in terms of Ukraine policy. Now, we also do the other side, and we say, for which of these reasons is it very convincing, somewhat convincing, somewhat unconvincing, or very unconvincing not to impeach President Trump? <clears throat> well, the president of the Ukraine has said twice publicly that he felt no threats or pressure from President Trump. That is 54%. That was probably the strongest argument. The second strongest argument, asking for a legitimate investigation of anyone, even a political rival, is not a crime, especially after articles appeared in the New York Times and the New Yorker, raising alarms about the Biden dealings with the Ukraine. The idea that it was a legitimate request then is actually the strongest argument. It gets 59% total who say that that is very or somewhat convincing. They're not making the article on the substance, as this poll suggests. Deep State also gets a pretty good resonance at, uh, at 50, 57, that they're monitoring the president's communications, selectively leaking them. And the fact that the aid was released anyway, and so nothing really happened, is an okay argument, uh, 53%. But the post idea that it was attempted but didn't happen is not nearly as strong as both the reaction of the president of the Ukraine and saying, hey, this was a legitimate request in the context that concerns had been raised about the Bidens. Now, do you think that the Ukrainians helped Hillary Clinton in 2016? 41% say yes, 59% no. Do you think this should be maybe investigated? 53% say yes, 47% no. We asked them about Biden being paid $83,000 a month to serve on the Ukrainian Energy Company board. This company was under investigation by Ukrainian authorities, and he didn't have any experience. Did you think that was illegal? 27. Bad judgment, but not illegal. 58. Not an issue of concern. Uh, 14. So it suggests that the issues are not seen as criminal, but they are seen as concerning, as wrong, as bad judgment. Uh, and they will be issues that Joe Biden will have to deal with. Similarly, when asked about the investment that Biden's funds received from China, actually, more people, 33, thought that was illegal, 51 thought it was bad judgment, and 16% said it was not an issue of concern. So, as you can see, the public's general attitude in an environment in which neither the Democrats, the Republicans, nor Trump has majority approval is, yeah, let's put them all, all, <laughs> all of their feet to the fire. Let's investigate uh, all the different ways. At the same time, it's a public that wants to see things getting done over investigations. So that's part of the paradox of American public opinion. Then a question nobody's asked, should Hunter Biden return all the funds he received from the Ukraine and China deals? Or is it enough that he says he will not do further deals like this if if his dad becomes president. Return all the funds, 51. Well, it's enough, 49. Take notes. So far, Hunter Biden has not suggested returning any of the funds he received from these, from these Ukrainians or from the Chinese. So we went back after we asked the, the pro and con questions about the Ukraine. Remember, we had a pre- Ukraine impeachment question, 45% said impeachment removed from office. 
after we gave all the arguments back and forth, that dropped to 41%. So by getting his arguments out there on an equal footing, the president actually benefited based on this poll. 21% say censure. So more people raised and looked for censure as a way to resolve it. And 38% slightly declined, said no action uh, should be taken. So I think that we've got in this poll uh, on the Ukraine things that Democrats could cheer, Republicans could cheer. I think it's a serious matter. I think it's up in the air how it will all come out. Uh, however, uh, the president's got some good arguments as well that serve as rebuttal. And the percentage that want to see him removed from office remains for now comfortably below 50%. And so any anyone that removed a president from office in those circumstances would surely be on the receiving end of a significant boomerang. Now, let's look at a policy that has been hotly debated and contested, especially in Washington, where Democrats and elites lined up to oppose the withdrawal of 2,000 troops from Syria. But when we asked the American public, 54% supported the removal of the troops, 46% opposed. Ah, the president despite all of the controversy about this, had the voters on his side in this decision. Of course, they want to be careful here. Don't go too far. Uh, but they do say that uh, when given the choice of whether their view is that removing the troops will destabilize the region or after 19 years, it's enough. It's time to bring troops home and that the consequences of withdrawing from Syria have been exaggerated by the foreign policy uh, establishment, 54% uh, say after 19 years, it's enough. 46% say it will destabilize uh, the region. Uh, they do think there should be some presence on the ground to protect the resurgence, 54-46, when you talk about putting it in the context of ISIS. And... Uh, they do agree, 52-48 narrowly, that it opened the way for Turkey to invade the Kurds. And I think in a fascinating question, we asked them, is Turkey neutral, an ally, or an enemy? And 55% said neutral, 28% said enemy, 17% ally. We said, are the Kurds neutral, an ally, or an enemy? 40 said neutral, 41 ally, and 19% enemy. Fewer people see the Kurds as an enemy compared to Turkey, a NATO country. Then we asked them in the fight between Turkey and the elements of the Kurds, should the United States be on the side of Turkey, the Kurds, or remain neutral? Side of the Kurds, 32. Side of Turkey, 8. Remain neutral, 60. At the end of the day, slight isolationist tendencies on the part of America come through. Time to bring home the troops. Time to take a neutral position between these groups. Time to disentangle rather than to be the world's policeman, as we used to say, uh, in this area. Presidents seem to have more of a finger on the pulse of public opinion than Washington elites. 74% have heard about the killing of the head of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. 26% uh, had not heard of it. Uh, it wasn't a make a big difference in terms of comfortable or not pulling troops out of Syria. That split 50-50. Uh, 
I think the surprising finding here was that the president had majority support in his decision to remove uh, the troops. When it comes to the question of whether or not President Trump should have waited after the mission to tell the Democrats, they're comfortable with that. They think he was right. They think the possibility of leaks, therefore, was real. And so by 55-45, they said it was right. Don't tell the Democrats till it was over. Finally, there's one issue that has hit the news, and that is a very big question related to free speech, political advertising, and the social media. As you may have followed, Mark Zuckerberg gave a strong speech in defense of the First Amendment and the ability of political campaigns to take out ads, and that Facebook would not be the arbiter of truth in terms of whether or not to run those ads. Uh, this was a, a starkly different position than he's taken over the last few months, uh, as he came out as a strong supporter for the First Amendment. Over at Twitter, Jack Dorsey made a very different decision, saying he is not going to take political ads at all, which is pretty surprising since uh, there will be $5 billion of political ads next year. Jack Dorsey said, hey, we're only 5% political. Well, it's a non-election year, and so that probably would have gone up to 25%. I personally doubt that decision will hold. I think that maybe even on Facebook there'll be some verification procedures for political ads similar to what you have when you put an ad on TV. Um, but maybe they will both hold to their positions. No checks on the ads whatsoever and, uh, and no political ads at all. So we had a question. Should social media companies follow the First Amendment and limit speech only in rare circumstances or should it censor political ads deemed inaccurate or inflammatory? 53% say follow the First Amendment. 47% censor such political ads. <clears throat> it wasn't 80-20. It wasn't 2080. Uh, I thought probably it might come out even stronger for the First Amendment. But 53-47, it's still a win for the First Amendment, an albeit narrow one. Let's see how the First Amendment comes through this upcoming highly contentious, a highly divided uh, political campaign uh, before us. So that's the Harvard Caps Harris poll for this month. Again, 1,810 registered uh, voters across the country interviewed October 29th to 31st. I hope you'll continue to tune in on this series, see it in the many channels and locations where it is now available and uh, go to at mark penn polls if you want to uh, comment or see more and also feel free to go to the harvardharrispoll.com and sign up for news and monthly releases about this podcast and of course we put all of the questions and all of the cross tabs online so that you can do it yourself you like the question great if you don't like it great we give you all the information to make your own analysis that's why we think in this poll we cover every side of every issue and we hope you'll keep following us thank you